I grew up in the, this meeting is being recorded. I grew up in the Pentecostal church. And in the Pentecostal church I grew up in, we we had uh, quite the move of God to be to be truthful. I mean, just a powerful move of the Lord, people being born again, filled with the spirit, miracles, people healed. And so I grew up in that and seeing that and knowing that and believing that. And I came up on the uh, uh, mountain where Jimmy was at or up on the hill where he was at. And I went in and his sister was singing and he had a special guest minister that night. And, I, and it was so powerful in my heart because as she would sing, the spirit of God was just flowing out of her mouth into my heart. And I was standing there in the praise and worship service, having come through uh, some pretty powerful Pentecostal meetings. And I was kind of, if I remember right, questioning, what is this? This is something. And it wasn't long afterwards that I went to another brother that I love this brother. I still love this brother. Uh, and he, he was definitely of the Lord is of the Lord. And he said to me to stay away from brother Jimmy Harmon because of what he believed. Problem was I already went <laughs> and the Lord touched my heart there. And he touched it in such a way that I began to question what is this? Now, I was already questioning things, but this was another just great move of God into my heart to open my heart from what I had believed was true. And a brother in our fellowship has, has said this so good uh, the last couple of days uh, with me on the phone and then today in service. We Live unto God in the understanding we have. And it's not that we have that we're wrong sometimes. It's just that we do not have understanding. We do not have spiritual comprehension of Christ. And as the spiritual comprehension of Christ comes, we, we, we live unto God. We begin to our our views change, our views and understanding changes. But what's so powerful with the Lord is he knows the heart. So he knows the intent of the heart. Even when we have not the full understanding of Christ, God knows the intent of the heart. God knows our hearts and whether our heart is after him or not after him. And sometimes we, we may not get that, that, that folks that are not seeing or believing what we believe are not necessarily wrong. They just do not have the understanding and they're not living under God in that understanding. And, and what we should many times is to pray for them to hold them before the Lord, that God would open their eyes, open their hearts, open their minds, that they could see the truth as it is in Christ. 
and be a desire in our hearts for ministry across the earth to come to the truth that, that, that it is in Christ. It's, it should be our desire that, that ministers come to a place where they're teaching people after the truth, not after theologies that they've learned, but after the Spirit of Christ. And that, you know, I could go through so many things through the years that has touched me deeply. And, and what of God touches you deeply, run after it. Run after God. And sometimes that means we're going to leave behind what we thought we knew. And that's hard. It's hard to just, you know, come from a place, especially if we've grown up in a place, and leave it behind. But it's necessary in the pursuit of the Lord. Doesn't mean leave the people behind, but it means leaving behind the ideas and setting forth after that which is Christ and desiring to bring people of God into that which is Christ. And, and that's really, if you ask me what my heart is about, what my motivation is, I want to release into the body of Christ what God has shown me. That's my motivation. And I want people to have what I have. I'm no better than another member of the body of Christ. In fact, I want the body of Christ to have everything God has put in me. That's really my heart to his body is to nurture and build up the body of Christ and to release it to you. It's not to be just a teaching. I want the very life of Christ that I've come to know, the measure of his life that's working in me, to flow into you. That's what I want. Because if anything else flows in you, I'll guarantee you this, it won't do you any good. We may, we may get over in our little group and even agree with what I said, but it won't do you any good. We just have our little group that agrees. And there's enough little groups that agree. They're all over the earth. You can find groups that agree. But this launches me right in where I wanted to pick up from last week. You know, I was kind of thinking in my mind, how am I going to get there now? Well, I'm right there. First John chapter one. First John chapter one, and this just is a continuation of last week. And John says that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we've seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the father and was manifested unto us. 
that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son jesus christ and these things write we unto you that your joy may be full this then is the message which you have heard we have heard of him and we declare unto you that god is light and in him is no darkness at all if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth's not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So right here, we, got, we come back to that which was from the beginning, which John said of himself and I believe of the other apostles and believers that they had heard and the believers that were gathered with John. He was bringing them to a place that you've heard that which was from the beginning. You've seen with your own eyes and you've looked upon and your hands have handled the word of life. Now, I want to want to make a disclaimer here. John saw Jesus in the flesh. In fact, John was the apostle Jesus loved. Which Jesus loved all of the disciples. But John was, you know, very, there was a, in the scripture, this level of intimacy with the Lord and John. All right. However, John had seen him in the flesh, and John had laid his hand upon Jesus. All that's true. But this word of life that John is declaring, I believe, was more than seeing Jesus in the flesh. It was the life that was with God and was God that was manifested in the person of Jesus Christ that had come into John's heart, into the inside of John that he was talking about. And he was hearing that word, the word of God, the logos of God. He was hearing that word in him. And he was seeing it and handling it. Touching that of God, you could say that of God being made known to him. And that's what John said he was declaring. This we declare unto you. So John wasn't just declaring a teaching. He didn't have a, just a good teaching. No, the word of life, had been made known to him. That was from the beginning. And he was declaring it into 
the body of Christ. Yes, that's what John was doing. A declaration of the life. See, see, John goes on to write, he that has the Son has life. Now, it's the same life. He ain't talking about different lives. <laughs> He's talking about the same life that was with God and was God but became manifest in the earth in the person of Jesus Christ, was displayed among men. But now that life that was displayed among men was being revealed, being made known in John. And that's how John was speaking out of that life. And that's where light comes from. Light and understanding comes out of life. If I don't have life, the life, then I don't have light. See, we, we've taught this as a doctrine. You must be born again to enter the kingdom of God, and, and it's a good doctrine. But Jesus said you must be born again to see, to have sight. And see, to have sight, I've got to have light. Okay? If I don't have light, I, don't, I can't see. I can have eyes, but I can't see without light. Right? So I'm born again to see the kingdom of God. To enter into it and to see it. And so I'm born again of the spirit of God, of the seed of God, which is the word, the logos, who is Christ. And now I have sight of that which was from the beginning. Okay? That which was in the mind and the heart and the will of God from the beginning. That's what I come to sight of. See, if I don't have that light in me, <laughs> what I'm going to walk to is what John says, you'll walk in darkness. And if you walk in darkness, Paul called it walking according to the course of this world. Same thing. It means there's an absence of light. Solomon in Ecclesiastes says of this, that he was a man that sought wisdom. Ecclesiastes 1.12. I, the preacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. And I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This sore travail have God given to the sons of men to be exercised therewith. Now, now think of this, what Solomon calls it, sore travail. 
men travail for wisdom under heaven. We see it in what we call natural life every day that people travail for things. But Solomon said he travailed for this great wisdom. And he goes on to say, I've seen all the works that are done under the sun. And behold, <laughs> all is vanity and vexation of spirit. That which is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is wanting cannot be numbered. I commune with mine own heart, saying, Lo, I am come to great estate and have gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is vexation of spirit. For in much wisdom is much grief. And he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. <laughs> now, if I took this as a natural man, it would seem like we should just be stupid as sticks. Go out here and be lottie dotty. You know, I mean, like Paul said, eat, drink, and be merry, be happy. But what, what, what's being said here, really, is all the wisdom of men cannot fill my heart. I can have all the greatness of wealth. And that's what Solomon had. He had wisdom unlike any man. In fact, from a natural sense, this is just type and shadow. He was king of kings and Lord of lords. You go study it out. There had never been a king like Solomon, never arrayed like he was, all the peace surrounding Israel. He was a type and shadow of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Now, we know he wasn't Christ, but he was a picture of the rest, the peace, the fullness, the glory that's in Christ. That's what Solomon is. We know all of his mishaps, all of the things that Solomon fell into. A lot of Christians will talk about that. And yeah, he fell into the, all, all these natural things, but he found out that in the wisdom under the sun, all became vexation of spirit, vexation of his heart. He couldn't find fulfillment. But now I want you to turn to Apostle Paul, who was Saul of Tarsus, who may have been on a similar journey as Solomon, because Saul was, you know, in wealth of the Jewish religion. You know, he was a man of esteem or a renowned man. So he wasn't some Peon, as Saul of Tarsus, he was big in the eyes of men, in the eyes of his peers. Really big, right? So if I turn to Acts 26 from here, and the Bible says, verse 12, Whereupon, Paul says, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, 
At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun. Now, now get this. What Solomon saw was all that was done under the heaven. All the works done under the sun. But Paul comes to a light that is above the brightness of the sun, and it was shining, he says, round about me, and then which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecute you me? It is hard for you to kick against the pricks. And I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of these things which you have seen, and of those things in the which I will appear to you, delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles, to whom now I send you to open their eyes. Now, he wasn't opening their natural eyes. And to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them that are sanctified by faith that is in me. And you could read this verse or this passage of scripture in the same in together with what you read in First John, and you can see some a lot of similarities. But here is a light that's brighter than all the wisdom of men. Brighter than everything under the sun. This is a light you're not going to exhaust and you're not going to, let's say, overcome. Because this is the light of God that Paul encountered. That which was from the beginning. So now Paul is dealing with that which is from the beginning. And Paul, who is dealing with that which is from the beginning, begins to write and declare. You know, when he begins to write his epistles, he's declaring the mystery that had been hid from ages and generations, but now is made manifest. Same thing. John's talking about that which is made manifest. Now it's made manifest to the saints in light. Because if light's not there, you, you can't have no manifestation. You can't have no understanding. You're just going to walk in darkness because light speaks of understanding. But it doesn't speak of all the understanding of men. It's speaking of the understanding of God. See, Jesus is the understanding of God made manifest. He's everything of God made manifest. But in this set session we're talking about, we're dealing with the understanding, the light, the knowledge, the wisdom of God made manifest in the person of Jesus Christ. Because it's in this light, understanding, wisdom, and knowledge that we come into that which God had desired from the beginning. 
And we don't come into that from a teaching. We come into that through the person. So your encounter is not, it's like John says, it's even Paul says, our encounter is not with enticing words of man's wisdom. Like Paul said, our encounter is like John said, with the word of life. And see, it's this word of life that has come into our hearts. And by this word of life, we begin to hear a voice that's different than all the voices we've heard. And this voice is calling out to us of the wisdom of God. Right? So we come at, after this voice to see it, to understand it, not to just hear it. Let me, let me give you an example of just of, of hearing it and then coming to our own conclusion. Go back to Abraham for a moment. Abraham heard God tell him he was going to have a son. Okay. And he believed he heard God. In fact, Abraham's labeled as what the man of faith. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. But in Abraham's hearing of God, what's what does he do? He, he doesn't see the result so first thing he does he says hey this eliezer must be what god's talking about i'm going to make him the seed of promise so that was his own perception of the seed and he went around it went about his way to make Eliezer, the seed of promise, and what does God do? God comes to Abraham and says, no, he's not the one. <laughs> well, here we go. Abram and Sarah carries on for a while. He's getting old. He hasn't seen the fulfillment. And he says, you know, or she says to him, Go into my handmaid, have a son. I can't give you a son. And he does. He listens to the voice of his wife. Sounds like someone else in the Bible. <laughs> so he goes in, listens to the voice of his wife. He produces Ishmael. And he's probably convinced this is the seed of God. This is the seed that God declared he would give him. He's got a son. God comes to him and says, this is not the son. Now, in a natural sense, what happens with Abraham and God here is probably about as difficult of a natural circumstance as you could ever be faced with. This is his son. Now, we as natural in the natural, there's something special about our children. Our children is more special a lot of times than somebody else's. I don't know if you ever noticed that, but that's what we think. So God comes to Abram and says, no, Abraham, this is not the seed of promise. 
for I will come and I will bring forth. See, if it's not brought forth of God, and I know Isaac comes forth of Sarah. Sarah has a son with, with Abram, Abraham. And that son is the seed of promise. It's that brought forth of God. See, see, now there's rejoicing in the house because that of God has come. Okay. See, everything else didn't bring rejoicing to the heart. But see, now the work of God appears, which is Christ, which was his desire from the beginning. That's the, that's the mind of God toward creation. See, we, we've, we've imagined, notice the word I used, imagine. We've imagined everything's always been about us. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's always been about God and his seed. Now, the beauty of that is we are included in that. But when we begin to see that seed who is Christ, we begin to see God's will and purpose for creation. And we begin to speak out of that, which was from the beginning. Because from the beginning, that was his will and purpose. It never changed. See, the will and purpose of God never changed from the time he said, let there be light. That was set in motion. That was planned. That was speaking of the light. And Jesus comes on the scene and says, I am the light. And so now I have to see by the light to understand, to be filled with all that is God. If I don't see by the light, I'll, I'll imagine things. I'll think I know things. But the light is who really measures, trying to get the word right, and so measures probably the best I can come up with, who measures what is of God and what is not of God. And see, that was from the beginning. Light measured what was light and what was darkness. And I said this last week, if it wasn't light, guess what it was? Darkness. And so man walked according to the course of this world. What was the course of this world? Darkness. The imagination of the heart of man. That's darkness. <laughs> so if I live in the imagination of my heart, I'm living in darkness. And John says, we are to walk in light as he is in the light. Well, how do I walk in light as he is in the light? The light must be made known. The light must be revealed. The light must be manifest. Everything here before us is the light of Christ as a new creature, as a new man, as one that has been born from above. Everything that is before us is this light that has to shine in my heart so my heart can see it. And now that my heart sees it, 
it can declare it. Yes. Now, Abraham had to turn his heart in type and shadow to Isaac. He had to turn away from Ishmael, his own flesh. That's what he turned from, to that of God. And sometimes turning our heart from our own understanding is one of the most difficult things we will do because men and women will fight over what they believe. And most of the time what they fight over ain't worth fighting over. It doesn't accomplish anything. But see, God has given us his spirit that we might know all the things that's been freely given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ, because that's where all things are. If I take the scriptures and put them together, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It pleased the Father that in him all fullness would dwell. God gathered together all things in Christ. So all the things God has given us is in the person of Jesus Christ. So when I start looking for things, I'm looking for the person. See, see what's happened, and I'm, I'm going to stop here in a minute, but what's happened in Christianity is we look for love. And we say, well, I'm going to love and love and love and love. And, and that's, a, that's a great desire to have. But love is truly found in Christ. For me to love you as myself, like the Bible says, I'll probably never accomplish that after the flesh. But see, as the working of Christ begins to work in, in me, I want to give you everything I have in the Lord. I just want to give it to you. And I want everybody else to be at least where I'm at in understanding. I don't, we are already where we in the same place because we're all in Christ. But there's this, there's not this selfishness out here to be bigger and greater and more special. That's, the love of God working. That's the unity of the Spirit coming forth. Now, seeing this comes from the person. It doesn't come from me or you becoming super saints and all at once we've, we're glowing and we love like nobody else. It comes from knowing the person. People would often comment to Brother Henry of the love of God he had or he has, not had, he still has the love of God. But they would talk about Brother Henry Stanley loves everybody. Well, you know how that came about? Not because he could quote more scripture than everybody else. And Henry could quote a lot of scripture and can quote a lot of scripture. But the love came about because he knows the person. He's in relationship with the person, the person's in his heart. He's looking for the person. 
Same way if I go into peace and I try to find peace, I'm going to find peace defined by the person. I didn't even know what peace is until the Prince of Peace appears in my heart. And then I'll find a peace that passes all understanding. I'll find a peace that I never even knew could possibly exist because it doesn't exist in natural man. It exists in Christ where you and I have been brought. And You'll want to give this peace because it's so good to everyone you meet. You'll want them all to dwell in the peace of the Lord. All of them to dwell in the joy of the Lord. See, because that's what's being given to us, that of him. See, truly our fellowship, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. The fellowship, listen to that word fellowship, the communion. The communion with God is in Christ. The communion of all that God is, is in Christ. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. See, see what does all that mean? Our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. That's, you, you know, all that God did in Christ, we fellowship. And all that God is in Christ, we fellowship. We have a fellowship with it, a communion with it. How do we do that? By the Spirit of the Lord, by the love of God. Because the love of God brings us into this great union, this great fellowship, this great place where the bounty of the Lord is here, where it just flows. Rivers of water just flow out of the Lord in us. <laughs> you know, it's not out of the Lord up there coming down. It's coming out of the Lord in our hearts to flow in our hearts out of us to one another. To the earth, to affect the earth with this life. That was from the beginning. Man, what a place we are in today. What a glorious place. People talk about how bad it is. I'm telling you, we are in the most glorious place you could possibly be. Now in Christ Jesus, you that were far away are made nigh by the blood of the Lamb. Nigh to what? To all the fullness. Set your eyes. You know, wonder, you, you know, we, we think coronavirus is the worst thing in the world. I'm going to stop right here. Possible Paul and those guys were going through some pretty bad things, and I'm not making light of coronavirus. But they were taking some of the Christians in that day and chopping their heads off and feeding them to lions. So they weren't, they weren't in this hunky-dory place. And Paul says, set your affections on things above. Now, you, you, you're thinking, some of those Christians may have said, but Paul. And when Paul's talking about that I may win Christ, 
when Paul's writing some of the letters that he's writing, honey, he's not living in a $3 million mansion and riding the best chariot of the day. He's probably desiring his next meal in a Roman prison. I don't know the details of that. But the communion that was going on in Paul's heart of the Lord was special. In the flesh, he was suffering terribly. But be a good cheer, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. And he's brought you into all that he has. Glory to God. Well, I'll stop right there. I feel like I could preach all night, but I won't. And I'll just stop right there, and I'll start with Brother Bob. <laughs>